Amen. What a good night of worship, huh? Let's give him a hand. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. It makes such a difference when we live lives of worship. Because when we walk in and we've already been living a life of worship, it's so powerful what happens. Well, we have a treat for you tonight. You probably heard that Brian Orm and his lovely wife, Cecily, are in town. And we're going to have Brian come and speak. Uh, don't think for a moment that Cecily doesn't have a lot to say. I've hung out with them a lot in my life, I'm happy to say, and she has some really powerful things. That's part of why Brian is the man that he is. So without any further ado, we're going to have Brian come. This is a man I love. Hello. <laughs> no, this is good. I have ears. How you guys doing? Good. I'm glad it's not a hundred and wasn't it hundred and eight or something up here? Last week or something like that? That's jacked up. Anything over eighty for us is unacceptable in San Diego. No way. That's good to be back. I always love hearing what's happening up here from the Eric's to the second power. But uh, yeah, it's really cool hearing what God's doing among you guys. And I'm always encouraged to hear testimonies and stuff. And so it's cool. Did you have something? I'm just talking to my wife right now. Yeah, she's got something. It's my beautiful, my beautiful bride, Cecily. Yeah, my name is Cecily, and a lot of times when we travel places, maybe I told you guys this last time, it's just funny, a lot of pastors can't say my name, so they'll say, Brian and his beautiful bride. And then that way, they're not like insulting me, and I just go, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah, so during worship, I kind of saw the same picture that I saw for um, our ministry in UC San Diego. Okay, so let me get back to that. Yeah, UCSD, yeah. Um, so we were at this one of our large group gatherings, it's kind of like this. And I just kept seeing this picture, Holy Spirit just kept showing me this picture of um, our son who's two and a half and he's a big snuggler and he like just wants to get in your face, like he doesn't want to be far from you. He wants to be like right here. And um, Holy Spirit showed me that that's how, um, that's like how close God wants to be with us. He wants to be intimate with us and um, he doesn't care like, when Liam's that close to me or Brian, we don't care, like, what his breath smells like. We don't care, you know, if he's clean or if he's dirty. Like, we just love him and, like, being close to him. And, um, like, that's what God wants to be with you. And I felt like during worship, like, some of you were questioning, like, you know, just because of things in life, you think, well, maybe he doesn't want to be that close to me. Maybe he doesn't have all the answers, but you know what? He does. And if you just get to that place with him, you can then realize, like, oh, my gosh, that stuff, it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't, because when you're that close to him, you're safe and you're secure, and everything else just kind of goes away. So um, you have access to that. You really do. Yeah. So that's it. Good, good. I... Uh have a couple products back there if you're interested. What was that? Demons? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple teaching CDs if you're interested back there. Uh, one on Rock in the Valley, what the purpose of valleys are, and then one on the idea of not settling. We were not created to settle. And all the proceeds go to the children, our children, <laughs> our two children. <laughs> Yes, to feed the children. <laughs> they love to eat. No, but it's one way you can help us and help you be blessed in return. And also, we have a, a missions base. I talked about this last time I was here a couple months ago, which is cool. I've been here twice in one year. Usually it's once a year. So that's fun. But July 1st is a deadline to apply. It's a really unique experience. It's 10 months from September to June. 
and you grow in identity, learn to operate in the supernatural mandate on our lives, and live among spiritual family, uh, be poured into by fathers and mothers, and just learn to rock the world. And so this is not, if you feel called a vocational full-time ministry, if that's the case, that's cool too, but this is really for those that feel called to the marketplace. And uh, we love to see people raised up to go into business, education, government, whatever God's called on your life, whatever metron your life is called to. You know what a metron is? Paul, when he talks about Corinthians, I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians 11, perhaps, 10, somewhere in there. He talks about, I didn't boast about the, the measure that I brought to you. It's the word metron, which is the sphere of influence that we have authority to exercise in. For some, that's education. For some, that's government. For some, that's family. And the crazy thing is, when some people go outside their metron, to exercise authority, they're actually usurping authority. So they attract a demonic attack that's unprotected. That's a good thing to know. An example would be if your metron is a, is a school where you teach, but then you say, I'm going to go towards the national platform of education, and I'm going to start addressing that. If God has not opened the door for that, you are getting into territory where you will be unprotected. When the Israelites were called to go into the promised land, all of it was theirs. It was a promise. But he said, you need to go to certain cities and defeat those cities. If you go to other cities, you will be defeated. So their metron were those cities, not the other cities yet. Does that make sense? So we all have a metron. We all have a sphere that we're called to exercise authority. And as we steward that, it increases the size of the metron. So we love to see God using people in whatever metron he's called you to. Every single one is just as holy and just as spiritual. What I'm doing right now is no different than someone that is in the business world having a Skype meeting with someone that's just as spiritual to Jesus. So be encouraged about that, all right? And if you're interested, there, is, there are some uh, flyers back there with the website. You can apply, do everything online. And we'd love to have you if you're interested. There's a beach down there. There's a few of them. San Diego. <laughs> but I want to share a few testimonies, and then we'll dive into some stuff. I spoke Tuesday night in Natomas at a place called the Rendezvous. The Boo, for short. And it was pretty cool. We saw some really crazy healings. And I had a word of knowledge for a wrist. And this girl was like, that's my wrist. I have carpal tunnels. And she had a brace on. So we pray, and I say, uh, take the brace off and test it out. As she's taking the brace off, she says, well, it's still stiff. Thank you, unbelief. And uh, so she takes the brace off. And what I had saw was that when she would take the brace off, I saw light go from her shoulder to her wrist. So that's why I said, take your brace off. So she takes it off. The moment it comes off, she starts weeping. She goes, I just felt heat hit my shoulder and go to my wrist, and all the pain came out, out of my wrist. She was totally, completely healed. So she comes up at the end, and she's like, well, my shoulders are jacked up, too. I play softball, and I can't, my rotator cuffs are all jacked up, so I can't play. And her back was jacked up. So we pray. Instantly, all the pain leaves her shoulders, leaves her back. Her friend is next to her praying, and she's like, well, my shoulder, I have the same issue, and I think it was the left one. And she's like, I haven't been able to play softball for two years. I said, well, do you like softball? Yeah. I'm like, well, I think Jesus knows that. He would like you to do what you like to do. <laughs> so I have the girl who was just healed in her shoulders, lay her hands on her shoulder, instantly healed. Then she says, I have a dis or, uh, discs in her jaw that created, uh, her jaw was out of alignment for five years. So I pray and I hear a, in her jaw. And so she starts freaking out. She starts weeping. She's like, my jaw's not in pain. She's like, feel this part of my jaw. That wasn't the way it worked before. So she was totally healed. Bunch of shoulders healed, knee, knees healed, backs healed. It was a lot of fun. So how many of you need healing in your shoulder? You have a shoulder injury. Just receive it right now. No one needs to lay hands on you. I just released a testimony. And it says, 
In Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Whenever you share a testimony, what is released into the atmosphere is the spirit of prophecy. God wants to do it again. So just receive healing for your shoulder right now. I just declare the same miracle that happened in their shoulder will be released into yours right now. Pain, get out of those shoulders. Full range of movement. And so I just want you to start testing those out right now. Test out with your shoulder. Move it around. Do something you couldn't do before. Check it out. Check it out. Any difference? Yeah? Is it better? 100%? 100%? Oh, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah? Any pain? 100% pain gone. And you had pain before when you were sitting there. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. That's cool. All right. One more testimony. Uh, we had a girl that got saved in April. And then she got baptized in water a week later. So in the first four weeks of her as a believer, this is what happens. She's delivered from cocaine, ecstasy, and marijuana instantly. No desire. All desire was gone. Within a week, she has this crazy breakthrough of finances in her life. It was nuts. And then we have a discipleship tool that we take new believers through. And it's like three phases. The first phase is what just happened. The second phase is um, your role in the kingdom of God. So we talk about the supernatural and all that. So she gets to the supernatural section, and we have an activation in each section. And the activation is find someone who's sick and pray for them. So her Buddhist roommate was diagnosed with cancer in the lymph nodes, which is super aggressive. So she's like, well, my roommate's sick. So she goes home, lays hands on her roommate. Her roommate gets it checked out. She's completely healed of cancer. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> That's pretty good for your first month. What happened in your first month? Oh, I destroyed cancer and, you know, <laughs> just. <laughs> we have a team in La Paz, Mexico right now. They're actually going to be going to a cancer hospital in a couple of days and just walking in and praying for the sick. So remember them in a couple of days that God would invade that hospital and cancer would die. I hate cancer. Anyone have cancer in here? You struggle? Any cancer in your family? Yeah? Well, we just come into agreement, and these family members, we command cancer cells to die in Jesus' name. They have no right to be in that human body. That is a foreign substance that we will not tolerate. So we speak to cancer and tell it to get out and die in Jesus' name. All right. I'm going to read out of a translation called the Mirror Bible. Anyone heard of this? I didn't think so. It's brand new. It is part of the New Testament so far. It's a work in progress. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, I got it on Kindle. And it's really cool because, how many have read the Message Bible, that translation? That's a paraphrase from the English translation. The Mirror Bible is a paraphrase from the Greek. So it's really cool. It's really fun. So I think you guys have it on the screen. You typed it out. The effort of the tech man to type it out manually, yes. We thank you, tech man. All right. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Our skin bodies have a cell by date. Our spirit bodies are eternal. The same God who fashioned these skin bodies in our mother's womb engineered our spirit bodies to be our permanent dwelling. Facing pressure, pressure times the way we often do makes us sigh with longing to exchange the skin suit with the permanent splendor of the heavenly suit. In the meantime, whatever challenges we are facing in the meat box, I like that, we know that we shall never be found naked since we are already fully clothed with our heavenly identity in Christ in our inner person. We are not complaining about our bodies, even though we are often aware of its frailties. Instead, we yearn to be overwhelmed with life 
We know that every evidence of death, even in our bodies, will dissolve into life. We're going to read quite a few verses, by the way. God wired us this way. His spirit already confirms within us present, the present evidence of eternity. We are eternal beings by design. We are cheerfully courageous, knowing that our immediate address in our earthly bodies cannot distance us from the Lord, since we originate from him. Faith is to the spirit what our senses are to the body. While the one engages with the fading and the fragile, the other celebrates perfection. Our confidence stems from knowing that even though it might feel at times we are merely reduced to flesh, our greater reality is that we are entwined in the Lord. He is our permanent abode. We are totally engaged in the loveliness of that which is of exceedingly great value, whether we are in a physical union with our bodies or a spiritual union with our source. It makes no difference to God's esteem of us. We are highly favored by the Lord. For we have been thoroughly scrutinized in the footsteps of Jesus, not as an example for us, but of us, and are taken care of and restored to the life of our design. Regardless of what happened to us in our individual lives, whatever amazing or meaningless things that we have encountered in the body. Isn't this amazing translation, by the way? It comes to life so much more. Verse 11, we persuade people in the radiance of the Lord. His visible glory is mirrored in us. Our lives are transparent before God. We anticipate that you will witness the same transparency in your conscience. We do not want you to pity us, but rather be proud of us for your own sakes. We are not into window dressing because we are not into window shopping. Neither are we here to impress you with us, but to impress you with you. We are blissfully out of our minds with pleasure before our maker. He delights in our ecstasy. We are, our insane mode is between us and God. We promise to behave ourselves sane and sober before you. A few more verses. The love of Christ resonates within us and leaves us with only one conclusion. Jesus died humanity's death. Therefore, in God's logic, every individual simultaneously died. Now, if we were included in his death, they were equally included in his resurrection. This unveiling of his love redefines human life. Whatever reference we could have of ourselves outside of our association with Christ is no longer relevant. We'll stop there. Not good. I could just stop there and be like, good night. <laughs> it's amazing. But I love verse 1. Our skin bodies have a sell-by date. Our spirit bodies are eternal. You were created as a spirit being, and you were made as a human being. Everything God does starts in the spirit. John 4 says God is spirit. In the book of Revelation, it says Jesus, the lamb, was slain before the foundations of the world. 2,000 years ago, when Jesus died on earth, that had already taken place in the spirit. It was just a physical manifestation of what had already happened in the realm of God. You did not originate in Adam. You originated in Jesus. Ephesians 1.4 says we were associated in Christ before the foundations of the world. The Greek says before the fall of the world. That's why we were not lost in Adam because we were found in Christ because we were associated in him first. It'd be very hard to access the eternal realm if you didn't originate there. And we can access the eternal realm. This world, I'm not a dualist, by the way. Dualists say this world is evil, God's world is all just good, and his, his world is good. But this world is not evil. God created it. Does it have issues? Yes. But a dualist would say the natural is all evil and the spiritual is all good. So you'd have people that would say, we're not going to work or try to get money into our bank accounts because it doesn't matter. That's not spiritual. I'm like, yeah, it is. When they turn off the lights in your house, it's pretty spiritual because it gets pretty dark without lights. <laughs> John 3, 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Holy Spirit is spirit. Your spirit is the biggest part of who you are. It is where your persona resides, and it's where he resides. Our soul and body is shaped by our experiences on the earth. 
good or bad, which forms our personality, right? Your personality is formed by your interactions with parents or lack of, authority figures, siblings, friends, teachers. All of that shapes personality. God does not discard our personality. He uses all of it. But the true essence of who we truly are is our persona, which is completely unfiltered and associated with Jesus and was before we existed as a human being. That's good news. Yep, yep, yep. Think of it this way. Time was created for this realm, the natural realm. Time does not exist in eternity. There's no need for time. There's no sun or moon in heaven, so there's no time. Eternity works out of, outside of time and space. God works outside of time and space, correct? That's why he's the God who was and is and is to come at the same time. Yep. Try to wrap your mind around that one. So that's why he chose you before we knew him. He wasn't in control of the decision. He just knew we were going to choose his son. So he says, well, I choose you first. You don't exist as a human being yet, so I choose you first. So he's not in control of our lives. He just understands the decisions we're going to make. Yep, yep, yep. So eternity is not bound by the realm that's subjected to time. Correct? So eternity is not for far off. Eternity is not like one day we are going to be in Beulah land and it's going to be amazing. Do you know eternity, the realm of heaven is right, it is as close as my hand is to my face right now. His realm. We've been taught this world is really real. His world is way more real than this world. This world exists because of his world. Everything that came into existence came from spirit. So the real world is his. All right. Verse 3 said this, In the meantime, whatever challenges we are facing in the meat box, we know that we shall never be found naked since we are fully clothed with our heavenly identity in Christ in our inner person. Let me say one more thing about time, actually. Do you know you have dominion over time? Because it's a created entity. It was created for us to be used on earth. Everything God created, except having dominion over each other, we have dominion over, which includes time. So if you feel like you have no time in your life, you need to start speaking to the time in your life. And say, time, I am not a slave to you. You are a slave to me. You will work for me. So that the purpose of God, purposes of God are accomplished. Time, you work for him and the purposes in my life through his will. Speak to the time. <laughs> we were watching Back to the Future 2 last night. Remember that movie? I was like, man, was it really this cheesy? I just remember like, this was my most amazing film when I was in high school. I was like, this is horrible. <laughs> the challenges in the meat box. Jesus mirrors our completeness. When the Father looks at Jesus, he sees you. And when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. We can be confident in our identity because it's completely solidified in him. Identity is the echo of belief. We will act according to what we believe is true. Do you know the brain attaches faith to whatever it thinks is true? So I could say to someone, man, God loves you so much. You are amazing. You are worthy in his presence. Every person in this room could say that to one person, but if they're not saying it themselves, they won't believe it. Because the brain will attach to whatever it thinks is true, which is coming from your brain. What do I think is true? This is why it's critical that we believe like Jesus. 
If our theology does not cause us to believe like Jesus, it's false theology. And it needs to be discarded. Because there's a lot of theology out there that has nothing to do with Jesus. Under the guise of theology. And it can't be found in the life of Jesus. That's false theology. I can't afford to have a thought. I love Bill Johnson. He says this. I cannot have a afford to have a thought in my head that is not in his. So we will act according to what we believe is true. The degree to which we understand our identity is always determined by the degree of our revelation of Jesus. The more revelation we have of him, the more revelation we have of who we are. It's the simplicity of how it works. We are perfectly one with Jesus. Like marriage is not a far off thing. Marriage has already happened. So when Jesus returns, he's not on a rescue mission. He's coming back to celebrate the marriage. So when he sets foot on earth, he wants it to feel, look, and sound like heaven. This is why I said this last time I was here, I believe. I, I'm so tired of people saying, it's a sign of the end times in the news. Yeah, it's a sign. I get a guy, he sends me these things all the time. And I was like, you do realize I don't like these things, correct? <laughs> I've been pretty open about that. And he keeps sending me, the, here's the sign, here's the article. And I said, I, I don't find a lot of joy in your life, really. <laughs> We're to grow brighter and brighter, Proverbs 4 says. Everything's going to get brighter and brighter. If the sons and daughters of God recognize who they are and who the revelation of Jesus is in their life, they'll realize they can enforce the kingdom of God so that the knowledge of the glory of God fills the earth so when Jesus returns, it looks just like heaven. And they'll feel just like he's at home. It's not like we're in these lifeboats. Oh, my gosh! Jesus is lassoing us in. Hurry up! The beast has come in! Okay. Verse 8 said this, Our confidence stems from knowing that even though it might feel at times that we are merely reduced to flesh, our greater reality is that we are entwined in the Lord. Literally means knitted together with Jesus. So imagine the father just sitting in a chair, knitting you together with his son. La, la, la. Imagine a large chair, fluffy, leather, I'm sure. Maybe a dark tan. Or maybe a red. I think it probably would be red. Symbolic of his son's blood. I don't know. <laughs> but we are entwined in the Lord. Our confidence is the consequence of abiding in Jesus. So when you're married, how many of you are married? Do you stop pursuing the person? Well, we're married. We're one now anyway, so... Who needs to talk? <laughs> We're just one. A lot of believers do that with Jesus, huh? So they have no idea how to hear his voice. And they think it's really difficult to hear his voice. It's actually really easy when you're one. But you have to keep pursuing him. The more awareness we have of our oneness, the more we understand the nearness. Awareness leads to nearness. It's not that we weren't near before. It's just the more aware we become, the more we recognize we are one. It's the same thing in marriage. You start pursuing and you're aware of their needs and you're aware of how they communicate and their love language and all of that. It establishes this nearness. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Just because we're entwined with him doesn't mean we stop pursuing his heart because he has not stopped pursuing ours. Okay. You doing okay? Is this making sense so far? Yes. So Jesus, the word, becomes flesh, right? John 1. He leaves his world, becomes flesh. 
The greatest space for deity to dwell is the human body. Why else would Jesus become flesh? The Word was made flesh. Flesh. It's like Lord of the Rings, feast on his flesh. <laughs> yep. You're the best idea God ever had. You're the fruit of his imagination. Jesus had to become one of us to take back what Satan had taken from us. It was one of us who gave the planet to Satan, and Jesus had to become one of us to take it back. The authority and the dominion was designed for us to use on this earth. That's why it says in Psalms, the heavens are the earth, or the heavens are God's. The earth is for men. A lot of people think it's their, a lot of believers think it's their job to make themselves holy and God's job to change the world. It's the other way around. It's God's job to make us holy. It's our job to change the world. I mean, the Holy Spirit's first name is holy, correct? <laughs> well, I'm just going to come with all my self-sacrifices and self-effort, Jesus. Isn't this impressive? And he's like, not really. So was my final sacrifice once and for all not good enough for you? You think you need to add to that? Yep. Self-effort and self-sacrifice do nothing to establish holiness in your life. It was established through the finished work of Jesus, period. It says in Hebrews, we were made holy once and for all time. Holiness doesn't come in installments. It comes once and for all time. So the more we recognize the righteousness he's already given us, the more we will act righteous. That's why the Holy Spirit is not convicting us of sin. He's convicting believers of righteousness, reminding us who we really are. What's going to cause you to change, to be reminded what you've done wrong or what to be reminded what Jesus did right? Uh. <laughs> okay. We have been co-included, co-crucified, co-raised, and we are now co-seated with Jesus. That's good news. If the news you're hearing is not too good to be true, it is not the good news. I'm serious. If it's not that, it's long grace mixed. And that's disgusting. A lot of bowel issues with that. Long grace. Okay. Verse 10, for we've all been thoroughly scrutinized in the footsteps of Jesus. The English translation doesn't really have this correct because Paul uses a Greek tense that is past, not future. Your English translation probably says, the judgment seat of Jesus, you'll be judged for all that you've done. That's actually already happened. So when you get to heaven, we are judged in the measure of reward we will receive. So everything we did in life will be laid out, imagine it this way, laid out on a floor. Fire will hit it, and whatever mattered remains. And that will be our reward. There's no democracy in heaven. Some people are going to have greater levels of authority in heaven than others. They're going to have greater places of honor in heaven. The martyrs have a really great place of honor in heaven. Those that are martyred for Jesus. So there are levels in heaven of reward. I know that doesn't sound fair, but it's not democracy. He's a king, right? Someone playing the piano? Did you hear that? Yeah. Oh, back there? All right. I didn't know if Jesus was up there. <laughs> You're just saying, that's right, Brian. Keep speaking. 
I concur with that. <laughs> verse 13, I love this verse. We are blissfully out of our minds with pleasure before our maker. He delights in our ecstasy. He is concurring with that. That's what that is. You know, Solomon 2.4 says this. He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me is love. Have you read this verse before? You ever heard an old song, the banqueting table? It's like this old thing. You know what's crazy about that verse? Banqueting table is not the right translation. Yep. It doesn't mean banqueting table. It's hilarious. You want to know why? Because the translators at the time didn't believe in drinking. The Hebrew word, it's only used one time in the entire Old Testament. You know what it means? House of wine. It's no joke. It does not mean banqueting table. You can go to a concordance and check it for yourself. It does not mean banqueting table. This is what Jesus is saying. I'll bring you to my house of wine. He has a house of wine. What's Jesus' first miracle? Why do that? When they didn't need it. They didn't need the wine. They had a ton of wine already. Just like, well, I'm going to make some more wine. The best wine. Really good wine. And it says the glory of God was revealed through that miracle. Why would he choose to do that first? Why not like a resurrection or like a limb growing out? I don't know. Eyeball popping into the socket. Well, check that out. He decides, I'm going to turn water into wine. The first encounter with the glory of God is wine. Yep. Is that offensive for you? <laughs> I like that, actually. And it says, his banner over us is love. It says love covers a multitude of sins in the New Testament. Love is a covering. It's a place of safety that says it's okay to fail because I'm presiding over your innocence. The church needs to break its operation of witchcraft, which is control and manipulation that tries to control and manipulate people into living holy lives. If they would just trust the Holy Spirit to do his thing and preach the message of grace, people wouldn't be doing crazy stuff. If they'd recognize who they are in Christ, they would act like Christ. And then the moments that we don't, the banner of love is always over us. And he says, we're blissfully out of our minds with pleasure before our maker. When you understand that Jesus is seated in dominion in the majesty of the Father, and he is presiding over your innocence, <laughs> that's bliss. On Tuesday night, there was a girl that came up at the end, and she was talking about being doing a really long fast. I think it was a 40-day fast. It's like I'm doing this 40-day fast, and it's just like she was in, she was into it. She was intense, and I could just feel performance. I could feel it. Performance! I must perform. I am an employee. Not a daughter. I'm an employee. Because that's how we function when we go into performance. We act like an employee. And we're not employees. We're sons and we're daughters. And she's like, but there's something missing. I don't know what it is. Just like a piece is missing in my life, preventing me from moving forward. And I just don't know what it is. So I put my hands on her. I hear the father say, she's good enough. So I just said, you know what? You're good enough. <sighs> Tears start coming down. And I just kept, I kept saying it for about a minute solid. You are good enough, just the way you are. 
you're good enough. Because he thinks you're good enough. And his son is presiding over your innocence. You've been made innocent in Christ. So it says don't hold anyone according to the flesh. What that means is don't hold anyone according to who they used to be. That's the role of the accuser. Like when someone gossips and they slander, that's when they become intoxicated with fear and anger. It's intoxication. And it's double-mindedness. But with Jesus' house of wine, there's a different kind of intoxication we can have. We're intoxicated with love. That is some tasty juice right there. Yes, it is. <laughs> I'd like to drink that all day. Do you know you can go to Jesus' house of wine? You have access to his house of wine. It's in the Bible. Just ask him, take me to the house of wine. Paul put it this way, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's an intoxication that comes when we start to understand the righteousness that he's given us. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy are experienced. Righteousness is established. But if we're not aware of our righteousness, we'll never have peace. Because you'll never think you're good enough. So you're performing. You're juggling. You're serving in the church, trying to impress God, and he's already impressed. Because he's impressed with his son, and you're one with his son, so he's impressed. There's nothing you can do to impress him more. What we do for him in releasing the kingdom of God is not to get more from him. We don't need anything more. It's simply, I put it this way, when I want to see people healed, I know he wants to see it. Like if your spouse likes to do something, don't you want to do that with them? My wife likes to watch girly movies. They're the same movie. Every single one. It is. These people meet, they don't like each other at first, and they like each other, then one of them had lied about something, and they just, I don't want anything to do with you. And then there's either a plane, a train, some form of transportation that the person is getting back to that person before they leave somewhere, and then they're reunited. I'm like, I know what's going to happen in this film. <laughs> but because she likes to watch those movies, I'll watch them with her. It's the same thing with our partnership with God. He loves to see people healed, set free. He loves to see his kingdom. Hey, beautiful. It's my wife and my daughter back there. Hey, Owen, good to see you. She was at Splat. All right. Last part I'm going to hit on is this. Is this making sense for you guys? Okay. So as we're aware of righteousness, we will experience peace, and then we'll experience joy. This is the bliss. Like when you realize you're righteous, and it's like a done deal, that's pretty joyful, okay? A lot of pressure is off. Hebrews 1.8 says this. This is tied into our righteousness. But the son of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Our authority is directly linked to his righteousness in our life. A scepter is a symbol of authority, correct? He says, your throne of God is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Here's what I've noticed, is when a person is not aware of their righteousness, they don't feel worthy 
There's very little dominion of the kingdom released through their life. They're not seeing demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's power. Why? They don't even know if they're righteous. So they're living in this world of law and grace, in this boat that's just going crazy. And they're like the disciples, ah! And they should just be going, sleeping. And if I need to get up and stop the storm, I will do that because I have peace internally, because I know I'm righteous. Not because of me, because of him. Our righteous acts do not make us righteous, just as much as our unrighteous acts don't make us unrighteous. His righteous act made us righteous. It's his work, and it is finished. Those are the three most powerful words of Jesus. It is finished. So the authority of righteousness is the authority of the kingdom. The extension of his rule is the extension of his righteousness. Here's what I find a lot of times. When a person is not experiencing peace and joy in an area in their life, it's a part of their life they're trying to hold together. Doesn't it say in Colossians that Jesus holds all things together? All of creation together, which would include anything in our life. So when we're trying to hold it together, he's like, how's that working out for you? Is that good? Stressful enough yet? No. Overanalyzing, is that helping? Situation? <laughs> he's like, I'd like to hold that together for you. It's called rest. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Rest is not a reward. It is a gift. In our culture, we think it's a reward. I worked. I deserve the weekend. Work just gives you wages, not rest. In the kingdom, rest is a gift. You have to receive it as a gift. I have earned this rest, Father. Aren't you pleased with my sacrifices and my efforts? So give me that reward of rest. He's like, nope. How about you receive it as a gift? So as we become aware of our righteousness, we not only experience peace and joy in our life, we experience rest. Rest in our minds. We're at peace in our minds because Jesus has made peace for us. A couple last things and I'll wrap it up. We okay on time? You guys okay? A couple more minutes, would that be all right? Yes. I'll skip over some stuff real quick. Think of it this way. Most of the church understands Jesus as Savior, but they don't understand him as Lord. The word Lord is used 3,000 times in the New Testament. Pretty important. And so like, Jesus has redeemed me, he's saved my life, and he's my savior. And we sing songs, it's wonderful, and it's great. And it is, it really is great. But there's a difference between Jesus is my savior and Jesus, you have lordship over every area of my life. The first mention of a river that flowed was from the throne of God, correct? Flowed from the throne of God into Eden, then watered the garden split into four rivers. It says living rivers flow from what? Out of our life. From what place? The belly. Belly. Living rivers flow from our belly. What that tells me is there's a throne on our belly. Oh, I'm not joking. 
And there's only supposed to be one person sitting on that throne, and it's not us. Jesus needs to be on that throne. So I have to continue to submit to his lordship. We don't like that word today, do we? Submit. So we submit to his lordship. We say, Jesus, have lordship in every area of my life because I don't want to try to hold it together. So I want you to hold it together. So I must submit. Because I find when we don't submit areas of our life, that's the exact area we don't experience peace and joy in. Yep. And then Jesus is tempted by Satan. He takes him up, says, on a high mountain. And he shows him kingdoms. And he says, I will give you these kingdoms. Does Jesus correct, or does Satan correct Jesus? Does Jesus correct Satan? Does Jesus say to Satan, you know, that's not true? No. Because it was true. Satan had authority over those kingdoms. Was he showing him natural mountains? Did you just take him up Mount Arafat? Here's some cool mountains, Jesus. That would be meaningless to Jesus. He was showing him things in the spirit. And what he was showing him is with these mountains, with kingdoms, that no one was ruling. Well, who's supposed to rule those? Why did Jesus die and rise again? He's the king of kings, little K. Who are those kings? Every one of us has been called to rule on a mountain. That's your metron. So when Jesus was looking out and no one was ruling, in his mind he's like, you're right. See, Bean? No one was ruling. But Jesus was like, I'm about to do something, and there'll be some rulers. But we're not going to function in that place of rulership and kingship if we don't embrace his lordship first. Kingship comes through his lordship. Peace and joy come because of his lordship. And our awareness of his righteousness is linked to the authority exercised in our life. Why don't you guys stand? Sorry, did I go too long? I had a lot of stuff. I want to try to get through it, but I hope that made sense for you guys. The band want to come up? Need some background music? You guys okay? Had some spiritual sons and daughters text me some words of knowledge. Someone have a, a crook? Is that how you say it? Crook in the neck? Crook in the neck? Crick? I don't know. Crook, crick. Creek? <laughs> Is that anyone? Just raise your hand. A couple of you? Okay. Um, sprained index finger? Is that anybody? Okay. Sometimes it's later on in a different place I'm speaking. Okay. Uh, a couple more real quick. Is there an old, old man with a cane here? <laughs> I don't think there is, but yeah. Well, you're not old. How old are you? <laughs> old man. Um, anyone, I don't know if this is for here either, but this is probably for Sunday when I'm speaking at church, but anyone scheduled for open heart surgery? I just want to ask, make sure, but okay. Gastric reflux problems. It's okay to raise a hand. No one has to be embarrassed. We all have bowel issues at times. Everybody poops. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, is there a Luke here? Luke, your name is Luke. Yeah. What's your name? RJ. Okay. It's not for you. Is there a John here? You have an issue with your leg. John and a leg issue. All right. These are probably for Sunday. It happens a lot. Let's pray for, uh, what was it? I can't remember now. Crick in the neck, creak in the neck, whatever in the neck. Raise your hand again. If you're close by, put a hand on their shoulder. I'm going to pray for this. Is there pain in your necks right now? Yes for you? Is it a yes for you? In this moment, is it hurting? Okay, but yours is. All right. So, Jesus, we just command pain to get out of these necks right now. Full range of movement. I speak to the tendon, the muscle, all the tissue. And we just command healing in Jesus' name right now. Pain lift off that body. In Jesus' name. So move your neck around. Test it out. Try it out. How's it feeling? How much better? Like 100% being full, fully better. Where would you be at? 50? And it was hurting before, but 50% better now. Lay hands on her again. How about you? Is there any difference you can tell? Yeah? All right. But we're just going to believe it's not going to hurt anymore. So we just command, we thank you, Jesus, for the 50%. We celebrate the 50%. We just say the next 50 come right now. Pain, get out of that neck right now in Jesus' name. You have no right to be in that body. We will not tolerate pain. Jesus went to the cross, stripes on his back for pain. So pain, get out of that body in Jesus' name. All right, move your neck around. How's it doing? Better? All the way better? How much better? 90? All right, guys, just keep praying for her. It's going to go at 100%. Put your hand on her neck, actually. You in the purple, put your hand on her neck. hip issue, alignment issue with your hip, is that you too? Keep your hand up again. If you're close by again, put a hand. If it's appropriate for the person to do, put a hand on the hip that's out of alignment. <laughs> Sad Jesus, we just command healing to these hips. If a leg needs to grow, to bring alignment, leg, grow out right now. And bring perfect alignment. Hips be perfectly aligned right now. No more issues causing back pain. For some of you, it's causing back pain for you. I just declare alignment all the way through, up, all the way up through the spine. One of you are feeling heat. I believe it's in your right hip right now. So I declare healing right now, that right hip. Be made whole. Be made whole in Jesus' name right now in Jesus name can you test it out I know for some you don't really know right away with this but is there anything going on in the body <laughs> I always want to ask though if you feel anything if there was a difference sometimes with stuff you don't know till the next day all right, here's the last thing I really sense. Uh, I really sense this strongly when we we're worshiping. We're going to get a little personal, okay? I believe Jesus wants to bring some freedom 
and really a release of joy because some of you have been abused. I'm really sorry that you were abused. That's not who God is. That's not who the Father is. He will never take advantage of you. He will never take advantage of you. And this is what I'd like to do. I don't want to embarrass you. That's not my intent at all. And so I just want to do this. Everyone close their eyes for a moment. If that's you that I'm speaking to right now, there's been abuse in your past, whether it was physical and or sexual abuse, whether it was a family member, a friend, whoever it was, I just believe the Lord wants to bring healing. The enemy has used this and has attached lies to this about your worth. And I want you to know, if you are in Christ, you are clean. And you are innocent. So I just want you to make eye contact with, I'm just gonna start on my right, your left, I'm just gonna pan through. If that's who you are, I just wanna make eye contact. I wanna pray with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. 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 I just want to pray. I want all of us to just lift our hands if you're comfortable, you know, like a receive mode. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you're our comforter. I thank you for the comfort you bring, Holy Spirit. And I thank you that there's joy and peace in you, Holy Spirit. It is in the essence of who you are, peace and joy. And I just declare a flow of that peace and a flow of that joy and a flow of that comfort would begin to immerse and drench and saturate every son and daughter in this place. I break off every lie that is attached to this. I break off every accusation of the enemy. And I declare what the Father speaks over you. You are clean. You are holy. You are worthy. You are innocent. Those horrific acts do not define you. So we just receive Jesus right now, your grace. Romans 5 says, we receive his grace to reign in every area of life. So let it be like a faucet, your grace. Just begin to pour, pour over the heads of these right now. this. I normally don't do this, but Jesus is being really clear about this, and so I've learned to obey him. <laughs> I want to open up response for this. I feel like there's something's going to happen as you respond to say, I need freedom in this area of life. And uh, I know this can be an issue where some feel shame, I just want you to know shame does not exist. It does not exist. It will only exist through agreement. It didn't exist in the garden. It does not exist now. Fear does not exist. Guilt does not exist. Only when we agree with the accuser does it manifest. Because those are the currencies of his world. Not ours. So I want to pray for what I'd like to do. I want to open up just generally to 
if you just want to receive prayer, but especially for those that are saying, I just want some freedom in my life. And for some of you, you might need to forgive that person. It does not justify what they did. What they did was wrong. But forgiving them says they don't owe me anything. So I just choose to bless them. It might take a little while to move from your head to your heart, but that's okay. That's totally normal. But we have to consciously make the choice. I just choose to forgive. They don't owe me anything at all. And maybe tonight, that's the first step you need to take. Is I forgive them wrong what they did. Forgiving them does not make it right. It just allows an opening to come over our life where the enemy has no more right to afflict or torment us. We can freely forgive because we've freely been forgiven. So as they play, I just want to invite you if you want to receive prayer for that or anything else. I just want you to stand if the prayer team can help with this too. You're on the prayer team, you know who you are. Correct. Come on up. So as they play, if you want to receive prayer, just come on up.